0: Get your gear ready. This is a Sherpa's Guide to Innovation. Call Me Ishmael is actually not the opening sentence of Herman Melville's novel Moby Dick, but this is A Sherpa's Guide to Innovation, a podcast dedicated to guiding you along your innovation expedition. Sherpa host Ben Tingey speaking. My three guests in the studio today are back from the Sunshine State, having just attended the HIMSS 2019 conference in Orlando, Florida. Dr. Gene Wright, Chief Innovation Officer at Atrium Health. Michael Johnson, Director of Innovation, and Emily Pandulo, Investment Director, are here with me. How was the weather down in sunny Florida? Oh, it was awesome. It was awesome. Beautiful. Awesome, awesome. Well, I'm very excited to talk with you all and recap your hymns, conference experiences and learnings. But first, an exceedingly brief message to our listeners. Please subscribe, share, rate, and review this podcast. Thank you very much. All right, let's start with our key takeaways. What were the key themes, key learnings that each of you brought home from the conference? Emily, we'll start with you.
1: Sure. I mean, I think similar to past years, I saw a trend of interoperability connecting data from the acute to the post-acute space um, within the hospital system, across hospital systems. We saw that trend. I think we also saw increasing focus on the consumer, which has been a a trend that we've seen with earlier stage companies and now really taking off at Hims which has more traditionally your larger more established tech companies so those are the two key pieces we saw this year
0: great michael what do you think
2: yeah this was my first time at Hims i've heard about it a long time and actually i was i kind of got the fomo because people are like are you going to Hims you going to Hims and at some point it's like i need to go to Hims and see what this thing is about and when you get there it's daunting. I mean, if you don't own that conference, it'll own you. There's forty five thousand people that attended, so it was a pretty large venue over at the Orlando Convention Center. Uh, I think it was Orange County Convention Center down in Orlando. And uh, one of the persons that I was talking to, he was a hymns uh, veteran, and he's like, "Is this your first time?" I was like, "Yeah." Like, must have showed right? Because he says, "Well, this is this is what it's like." Said so the first time, it's like immersion. Second time, it's like baptism. And the third time, it's like communion. (laughs) It's really great because it is is pretty big, and there's so much to cover. I kind of assessed kind of my time there, and there's really – I kind of broke it out in thirds. Third of it was really going to panels and talks. Third of it was really networking with folks, whether they're uh, after the talk or at the exhibitor floor. And a third of it is really just navigating around. I mean, there's a lot of things to do and see. And so there's just whatever you're interested in when it comes to healthcare technology, it's gonna be at HIMS.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Michael. Gene, your takeaway?
3: My takeaway is we have finally gotten to the time where health IT is making an impact, a real, visible, tangible impact.
0: From theory to impact. Excellent. That's very exciting. So, for those who haven't attended, for their benefit, tell us a little bit more about the Hims Conference. Describe it for us. Paint us a, a visual picture. So, what, what was the venue like? The attendees? The programming? Michael, you shared a little bit about the things that you did, but Gene, talk talk to me about what Hims is like for someone attending, maybe for the first time. Well, it's probably very appropriate that it's this year was set
3: in Orlando because it has a Disney World quality to it and feel to it. It's big. It has buses. It's well organized. There are hotels all around. In fact, I must be really complimentary because it was so easy to navigate. You could look up speakers by name and say, oh, I want to hear so-and-so. And you could see exactly where they were. Or I want to see these vendors. And as you open the app, it would show you exactly, oh, it's in row Eighty-two hundred, and you're standing in fifty-two hundred, and here's how you get there. Just like we feel energy today in this room as we're talking about it, I think you keep this high state of kinetic energy while you're there. To the point that I did have my step tracker on, and one day on the exhibit floor, I got thirteen thousand steps. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I was gonna
1: say you've got to bring your walking shoes. I think I had. I didn't look at my steps, but I had like seven miles just up and down that convention hall where all the exhibitors are. So I'd say as someone, I spent most of my time less in the panels and more just in the exhibit hall, and you could spend days in there just trying to navigate and get to all the vendors and meetings you wanted to. But it certainly has that, they're bringing in kind of that high-tech feel where everyone was sort of like in the futuristic type booth. Um, There were a couple that were a little earthier, I would say, but that was few and far between. But most of these booths now have like office space in them, and so people are conducting meetings and serving food and ice cream, and so it's certainly catering to that like next gen of IT, I would say. You
3: found ice cream? I didn't find ice cream. (laughs) But I was so caffeinated by the end of the day, I
0: was kind of reverberating. (laughs) That's great. So I heard, and and actually, uh, following the hymns hashtag on Twitter, I saw all these pictures of this smiling guy with this superhero cape on. His picture was everywhere. Well, who was he?
2: Man of Steel.
3: <laughs> the Man of Steel was none other than our chief strategy officer, our newest. EVP here at Atrium Health, Dr. Razu Shrestha. And back at the opening scene and the opening act, the champions of health and health IT came out on the stage. These are the key leaders of the HIMSS conference. They are people that are nationally recognized. And I think many of us know he has 24,000, 25,000 Twitter followers. So it's like that old E.F. Hutton commercial. When Razu speaks, people listen, and they want to hear what he has to say. But that's also true of the other healthcare, health IT heroes that were there. And it was fun because on the opening stage, high energy, great music, even some dancing up there. But the heroes came out wearing capes. So when we talk about him being the Cape Crusader, he really wore a cape. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. What, were there any new buzzwords at this year's conference? Anything that everyone was talking about? What do you think, Michael?
2: Yeah, they, they related it. The buzzwords this year, they they kind of talked about how things were all buzzing last year. Like blockchain was a big buzzword last year, was not so much so this time. There were some some talks and some um, really good examples of uh, blockchain where it is today. I think I heard more AI, um, this go around. Uh, And also one of the things that I thought was really kind of a neat way of looking at it, the movement from patient engagement to patient activation. Some folks have started talking about how we're maturing our thinking around that because they're very similar. But I think a key difference is activation has to do with the knowledge that patient has and the power to make decision. And so I think there's there's a little bit more understanding of engagement's not enough, um, and we need to get a little bit more empathy and, and understanding around patients' activation around their health.
0: Very interesting. It's an important paradigm shift. What do you think, Emily?
1: Yeah, I would just jump in. I think that some of the buzzwords I actually heard were ones we probably heard two years ago, but to Jean's point, now they're really showing impact in terms of validating a business model. So we heard a lot of social determinants, which I think we heard first two years ago, but this year people are actually figuring out how to make the health IT work around some of those social determinant initiatives a lot on the population health side as people try to figure out and navigate that landscape. But yeah, I think things that we've been working on for a few years that are really starting to gain traction in the mainstream health IT business here at Atrium and other health systems.
3: Mm-hmm. Excellent. Interoperability, you mentioned in the opening comments, was a big theme. APIs, in fact, Razu you know, was quoted as saying, I love APIs. I think the world has gotten to the point of realizing that the centers and epics are not going to make everything, at least not in the time frame that we want it. And the only way that we can work around that is through APIs. Two years ago, there would have been a lot of pushback. <laughs> now there's a lot of push forward on that that field.
2: One other thing that I was paying attention to is where the money's going. And so there's a Health 2.0 Venture Connect sessions at HIMSS. And uh, one of the lightning round end of the panel discussion that had three investors on there, they were asked, where are you going to invest in 2019? And the answers were, one of them said AI. Uh, the other one said anything that has to do with uh, telemedicine or remote monitoring The other one said, well, I'm going to just be, for the sake of being different, I I think he liked one of those too, but he said behavioral health, anything in that area, or behavior economics. Those were three things that I think had the attention of investors out there.
3: I Um, think that's a good point because two years ago, we would not have heard behavioral health on the landscape of that meeting. In fact, Mm -hmm. it's really interesting to see how real clinical medicine is making its way into those conference rooms. So what might have been a discussion about architecture and and servers and whether you're moving to the cloud or not is now really very patient-focused, whether it's patient engagement, patient activation, or the examples that you gave, Michael.
0: Yeah. Let's tease that out a little bit more, Gene. So the benefit of non-IT people attending HIMS, like you said, there's now there's more of a convergence of the clinical side into the health information technology. For someone who wasn't involved day-to-day in health IT, what would The benefit of attending hymns? I
3: was really struck by that this year. For example, I went to a pre conference all day symposium on precision medicine. You didn't have to know anything about AI or infrastructure or interoperability to get deep value out of that session. Now, what enables us to do precision medicine or move towards that are all the advances. That are taking place. So it's almost an assumed thing that AI and the interoperability and the uh, uh, you know the infrastructure will come along to support what we want to do clinically. I also went to several sessions on ACOs, accountable care organizations, on chronic disease management. You didn't have to know a one from a zero in the world of data to understand <laughs> what was going on on stage. Two years, three years ago, it would have been a very different conference. Maybe over your head.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Michael, you have a thought?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think um, it it is technology-focused and healthcare-focused. And it was interesting. There are some folks there that are strictly IT, and they just service healthcare. So they don't really understand the business of healthcare as much as they do. The technology that they're running, and when you go through the exhibitor hall, and there's there's hundreds, maybe even more a thousand, I can't remember how many they have, but it was a huge exhibitor hall. And somebody like me walking through, it's sometimes difficult to understand the solution. What problem is it trying to solve? And if you're not in an IT and you're in the operations of whether it's in the the OR or wherever, uh, I think you could end up getting a lot of value from being able to sort through all the options out there and recognize that that technology piece really does solve a problem for me. And so I think somebody that's just in technology you can end up really admiring and getting deep into the nice um, intricacies and things that the technology does. Um, But I think somebody from outside of IT could get a lot from the conference because they could actually look at all the things that are out there and realize these are the things that could really help me um, in my business. And so we try to, as within innovation, advocate for those folks that aren't there and really try to bridge the gap between these solutions and making sure they really do solve problems. But I think if it's just a strictly an IT group, then we wouldn't really have that, um, that cross-pollination that I think is really important.
1: Yeah. Yeah, just kind of jumping into that. Now, you know, the health IT is not just the Cerner and the Epics. You have companies that are focused on driving operational efficiency and quality improvements, patient engagement, safety. So all those things align with some of our strategic objectives that I think people would have a lot of value out of where it's not really focused only on IT. It's looking at the whole hospital system and where are we solving problems and driving efficiencies or quality improvements, Um, And Michael and I spent – they had some cool booths set up this year that Michael and I spent some time at that were the OR of the future, the ED of the future. They had, like, um, hospital at home set up. So you could kind of go into these rooms and take a virtual tour, and they'd walk you through all the technology that's in that room that making that experience, which I think for a non-IT person is really interesting and helpful in imagining, like, how does this really all come together and solve what we're looking to solve?
0: That's awesome, that's awesome. So each of you had a purpose for attending. Gene, one reason that you attended was because you spoke on a panel. I think it was about precision medicine and predictive analytics. Tell us about the content of the panel that you participated in.
3: This was an all-day event. And it was interesting, one of the ladies that was checking the name tags as we went in and out at the breaks said, this is really amazing, everybody's coming back and staying in the room. And I thought, what an interesting observation. So the people that had signed up for that workshop or that all-day symposium really wanted to know the information. So I was on a panel with a couple other healthcare care leaders, health system leaders, and we were talking about what is it going to take for us to get To the state of precision medicine. Our own innovation engine has really been keenly following the field of genomics and trying to speak into the future. I know many people have thought we've been ahead of our time, but I think the time is literally right around the corner. Case in point, many of our own teammates here at Atrium Health have access to getting their own gene sequenced through our HR benefits. Suddenly, you have somebody with new information showing up in front of a primary care doc saying, can you tell me what does it mean to have apo epsilon 4 and then the primary care doc sitting there with wide open eyes. So our panel talked a lot about the potential and the gap really from bench side to to bedside. But we covered it all day long. Everything from what does it take from an IT side to how do you educate your workforce to handle this information, to where are there real breakthroughs? We heard a great talk from Johns Hopkins and one from Geisinger. And then our closing speaker in that session was actually a former Atrium Health teammate, Dr. Michael Doolin. And Michael shared his own personal journey of what he learned about his family and his own genetics. And it really powerfully brought it home for all of us.
0: Wow. Emily, what was your job to be done of attending Hims, and, and what were some of the more exciting startups that you came across?
1: Yeah, so uh, what we're generally looking to do when we go to Hims is sort of meet with other investors, other strategic funds, and some of the companies we have relationships with at Atrium and, and get a sense for new companies and sort of what the trends are and where the market's going. So it's it's always helpful when you know we might be looking at telemedicine as a new strategic work here, and you see maybe... 15 different telemedicine startups. So it sort of like guides you kind of where the hot areas are and where the investments are going. So we, I would say for Hims as opposed to other conferences, it's, for us, it's less focused on the startup piece and more sort of what are other strategic funds looking at? What are other mm-hmm. investment funds looking at than typical? But I would say you still see some of those earlier stage companies that of Venture Connect or Redox puts on sort of a one-to-one matching for health systems with some of their network which is really helpful and so we met with some companies that are looking to help drive you know transportation across the health system we met with some that are looking at how do you create a better patient experience through kind of the consumer facing texting applications but also drive an roi on the revenue cycle side so i think some of those companies are interesting where we they might historically have only focused on, okay, we'll help with patient scheduling via text, and now we're seeing companies that are like, okay, we can do patient billing reminders, we can do appointments, we can answer clinical questions and sort of route these to the right call centers where that's something exciting for us because we hadn't seen in the past.
0: Very cool. And Michael, yeah. I saw on Twitter that you had a, a pretty cool Pink socks moment. Tell us oh, yeah. about uh, why you've embraced the, the Pink socks movement.
2: Pink Socks is all about connecting and and actually I didn't realize maybe maybe I wasn't up on my history, but it started at hims with um oh. a couple guys, Nick being kind of the uh, one of the key folks that just started passing out pink socks and then it was like, "What are you all doing and you know and it allowed for that connection and it started with one and it two three and it multiplied, and I think they ended up shipping out uh forty thousand pink socks last year, and so it's it's not nationwide it's worldwide and you, you, all you need to do is follow uh, our hashtag pink Sox on twitter to see daily people that are connecting around this idea of health care and connectedness and finding goodness in folks and they actually had a pink socks meetup one of the nights at, at hymns where we could all uh, gather and just exchange some hugs it's, it's a big part of it so if you love connecting in this space Pink Sox tribe is where it's at. It really is. You're not going to be alone. If you even if you've never been to Hymns and you're one in forty five thousand, you're a pink socks. You're going to be part of a family there, and so it's a great community of folks in this space. And so it's it's a great great group. I
3: have to think of pink socks as symbolizing empathy the people understand the empathy that's needed in healthcare is that purposefully written into the code of the tribe or is that just a byproduct i
2: think it's i think it's implied in there i don't think the word empathy is in there but it's definitely there
1: did yeah. you wear pink it's socks getting... everyday
2: you know, I thought I I was, and I was like, I need to probably change these out. You, know? <laughs> so, you didn't
1: need any more em, pairs. I wore them,
2: as, and then I, had a, I, you know, I tried to advertise the pink socks as much because I, honestly, when I see somebody walking down the exhibitor hall with pink socks, I go grab them, you know, just wow. because like, hey, pink socks, and so it's just. There's that connection. it's just it's just it's a family, you know so it's a, it's a great, it's a great group. So I'm really grateful for, for Nick and the others that have really kind of started that and grown it. So I'm just happy to be a part of that group. That's
0: wonderful. That's wonderful. So this next question, I've been thinking a little bit about. You know, are we getting the the bang for our buck with our investments in health information technology? And, and we know that the government plays a role in helping systems realize that potential of applied information technology. Gene, what are your thoughts on how the government has shaped policy that has uh, helped us invest or helped us move towards adopting more technology solutions in healthcare?
3: The government has a big role in this. In fact, going back to the High Tech Funding Act, the call for meaningful use, there's been both carrots and sticks that have helped organizations take the deep dive, take the plunge, make the financial investment. Our opening session had four people who had been leaders either in the office of the National Coordinator of Health IT or CMS, and one of the things that was refreshing to look at them on stage was whether they were appointed by a Democrat or a Republican, it didn't matter. They were all united on where the future of health IT needed to go interoperability, getting data to the patient, getting information to the right provider at the right time. And in fact, as an American, I kind of took a deep breath and put my shoulders down and relaxed and thought, maybe most of our government isn't in a good position, but this part of it is the thought leadership at the top of it right now i think really represents us well and you're exactly right the government by the the flip of a memo can either ask for something to be you know enacted or set a deadline or set a penalty and so they have a powerful role in all of this
0: yeah
1: it's funny this is just anecdotal but you know i think we've done a really good job here at atrium and a lot of health systems have but i've I had a friend who recently had a baby up in New York, and she had to go to her pediatrician appointment, and she said they got upset with her because she forgot to bring her paper printout of the shots the baby had. And I was like, that is exactly what's supposed to just already be in the patient record. Your pediatrician have it. You're not even worrying about it. Um, and that we're still kind of carrying loose-leaf paper around seems crazy.
3: Right, right. Yeah. And in fact, there are still parts of our healthcare system where they think they have automated it or gone to IT and what they've done is created a PDF <laughs> and scanned it in. And you think, oh man, that's unstructured data, it's going to be so hard to pull out, um, but at least it's one step above the fax machine.
0: Yeah, there was a Chrissy Farr tweet that Google was trying to do something with the health care system and, and they had to figure out how to integrate faxes they were getting uh, and Google was like, man, what is this? Alright, so as a result of the learning and the networking connections that you all made at HIMSS, what do you each feel encouraged to do now that you're back home? Michael, I'll start with you.
2: That I'm back home, there's – again, there's a lot. If you really do HIMSS, you're going to come back with a lot. And so I actually looked at my cards that I picked up, and it seriously is – Think is Moby Dick's you know <laughs> book novel, so you know there's a lot of new connections, also enriching connections, um, things that that I'm really interested in. There's some really I think maturing in the blockchain space. Um, there's on uh, on one of our opening keynotes they had talked about um, really tying blockchain with in the clinical trial space for patient safety and efficiency. So there's some really neat things there. Also, in some neighboring health systems, they've got some use cases out there. So really learning maturity of technologies is, uh, and how we can leverage that here at Atrium Health is uh, a passion of mine. Uh, I think artificial intelligence is maturing. I think we're getting smarter in that space, and I think the products are going to be getting better. And I think there's, there's uh, maturity that model that we have to go down to kind of really leveraging all the promises within AI. So doing that smartly uh, is one thing that we also do. And I think, um, you know, there's there's just, we always have these use cases. And, you know, in innovation, we fall in love with problems. And I think we can find um, some really great problems to solve, but there's really not ways of solutions that are out there. And as you go to HIMSS, you get more hopeful about some of these solutions that can help us solve problems. And so, I've got a couple of use cases that are kind of um, out there that now I'm going to be entertaining to see whether or not we can actually solve some of these problems based off what I've learned at HIMS. Emily?
1: Yeah, I think uh, I spent some time with some of the other strategic investment funds, so it's always interesting to see sort of where they're focused on, where their systems have solved different problems differently than we have and how we can learn from one another. So I think that was one thing that I'm excited about is how do we work with some of our external partners better. And then the second piece being as, we, as we talked about collaborating, we see interesting new companies. How do we all work to scale some of those companies so that they are impactful and that we do generate kind of excitement and acceptance around system here, um, as sometimes it's challenging for those earlier stage companies to navigate.
0: Yeah. Gene, what are you encouraged to do now that you're home? I'm encouraged to think differently
3: about patient activation and patient engagement. I was able to meet up with two Atrium teammates, uh, Becky Fox and uh, Patricia Mook, on the exhibit floor, and we spent some time saying, let us take each other to the things that we like best on the floor. And it was great to see... From a nursing perspective, because they're both nurse executives with strong IT background and IT-related roles, it was great to see some of these new companies through their eyes. And I said to them, after we looked at at one of them, and I think we spent probably over an hour at their booth, I said – when you come back and you start asking for this, I will support you, whether it's on the capital process or the proof of concept or the pilot, because I believe in this. I, what you have shown me, I now believe in. So seeing how software, how technology can really help us you know, improve our
0: patient satisfaction scores, it's a reality now. Excellent. Let's return to our key takeaways. Emily.
1: I mean, a major takeaway is just how many folks have now entered the world of health IT. You see a dozen startups in each kind of area trying to solve a quality issue in a different way. You see some of the bigger health IT companies trying to figure out where, uh, what is driving innovation, what space do they need to move into. And so I think, you know, that's a big takeaway for me is just you know, digital health and health IT is a huge and burgeoning industry and um, something we're going to have to pay attention to and help navigate.
0: Michael, your takeaway?
2: It's an immersion. It's, I mean, if if HIMSS sounds like it might be interesting, then it probably is. Um, there is, no matter what you're interested in, they're going to have something there at HIMSS for you. And again, you're going to be, among lots of people, but if you want to be part of that family of pink socks, you know, just join in and you're going to be, you're not going to be alone in that. So it can be pretty intimidating, especially if you're more introverted, uh, but at the same time, there's lots of folks that are just like you. And so I think uh, getting engaged in hymns is a great thing if you're interested.
0: Excellent. Gene, your takeaway.
3: My takeaway is the time for health IT to make a real impact on clinical care is now. We have moved from the phase of fix and 2 as we Southerners say, to now. Uh, one of the presentations I went to was by Dr. Paul Simonelli of Geisinger and Dr. John Showalter, both physicians. John is the chief product officer um, of an AI company, and Paul is the head of pulmonary, and they attacked COPD. Well, in the innovation engine, that's been a disease we've been looking at for 10 years. And to see how they combined... Deep learning using AI to the point of care, treating patients as an as an n of one because it's really mass customization. What puts this patient, Miss Mary, at risk for being admitted is is a now thing. And I can
0: look over to Geisinger and see what they're doing and say, I want to do that here. Excellent. Well, Gene, Michael, Emily, thank you so much for sharing your you, Hims 2019 experiences with me. This was great. Thank you so much for having us. Are you going next year, Ben?
3: Have we won you Ooh over? Boy, we'll see. That That's would be a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. You <laughs> bring, my, bring some socks. pink socks.
1: Yeah. Michael will order you a few pairs. Right, right. 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 <laughs> I'll be
0: awesome. there with you. Excellent. Well, thanks again. Dear listeners, thank you for listening. Please keep listening. This is Ben Tingey. Goodbye. Is actually not the opening sentence of Hervin Melville's... Oh, Hervin? No, it's not Hervin, it's Hervin. Let me try that again. I wouldn't know the difference. (laughs)